I'm Chris Lindstrom, and this is the Food About Town Podcast. In episode 117 of the Food About Town Podcast, we talked about my recent experience cooking at Joe Bean for the last three days of their kitchen being open. My friend Brian Chu joined me for this episode. Hi, Brian. Hi. Thank you for joining us for this intro, and thank you for interviewing me during this episode, talking all about our experience doing some of the recipe work and the whole experience of working in a commercial kitchen for my first time, really. So, thanks for joining me for this one. That's you. Say something. I'm not going to interview you again. This is not how this works. <laughs> Fine. I know it's an intro. You don't have to inter- interview me again in any case. So, please listen to this episode talking about the whole thing, cooking at Joe Bean. Of course, we go on some tangents, just like usual. So, if you enjoy this episode, please go on to rochestercitynewspaper.com, vote for Food About Town for Best Podcast, vote for the rest of your favorites as well. So, go to rochestercitynewspaper.com, vote the final ballot for the Best of Poll for 2018, and thank you so much for listening. Another sweltering evening here in the heart of Rochester. I've connected with my friend from Boston, Brian Chu. Hello. Hey, Boston. Hey, Boston. What's up? It's miserably hot out here, too, so don't worry about it. Yeah, it, it, it's terrible everywhere. And But thank you. Thanks for the advent of air conditioning. We're nice and comfortable with nice microphones in front of us. And what are we talking uh, about today, Brian? So we're going to do something a little different. We are going, I am going to interview you for something you did recently, something that is kind of out of the ordinary, I guess. Usually, you're the one talking to people about food. Yeah. But this time, well, why don't you tell them what happened? So, what? yeah, I, I mentioned it briefly in the episode with uh, Jeffrey McLean from New York Kitchen that I was probably doing some cooking coming up, and I ended up doing three nights... Um, coming up with the menu and cooking for the people in the last three days of Joe Bean's kitchen being open, which was, oh, geez, I forget the actual days, but it's about a week and a, uh, about a week or so ago now. Yeah, I think it was, what, the 25th, I think? 20, yeah, it was 24th, like, 24th, you know, it was like, 25th, 26th? Yeah, it was so, something like that. It was in that, in that time range. It was Thursday, Friday, and Saturday nights. And I missed that because I, I would have actually come up there and... No, got my hands in the kitchen. Given what? how you know both of us combined have a grand total of zero commercial kitchen experience. Yeah, zero, zero minutes, zero days, and this this was my first time cooking in a commercial kitchen. And it would have been nice to have you here. It, the one weekend that I actually you know, had something to do. Yeah, it would, it, it would have been nice to have have somebody else in there, you know, chopping and doing all the cooking with me. But hey, whatever. What are you going to do? 
who knows? It might have ended up like like a like chef, and you just have this food truck that takes off in you know three in, in three days. Yeah, three days. Yeah, the the crowds just show up all around the country <laughs> instantaneously. Super realistic. <laughs> so, tell tell everyone. Tell me especially. Tell you especially. The, oh yeah, thanks. What did you make? Or what so, you come up with? Yeah, so so the menu, you you and I kind of brainstormed this a little bit. Yeah, we were a little bit uh, overzealous the first time, and then yeah. your, your chef friend kind of corrected us. Yeah, so the the concept was, since Joe Bean had done a lot of uh, Latin-themed food, um, whether it be Cuban, Mexican, you know, a lot of the... A lot of food around that area. I did. I did stick to you know some of the ingredients that were available, so they had plenty of taco shells left. So I stayed with a Mexican-ish theme, and made a twist with some Asian flavors, mostly Chinese. Appreciate um, it. <laughs> um, I ended up doing some basically traditional techniques from traditional Mexican techniques, traditional. Uh, Chinese techniques and cross the flavors in between the two. So kind of like a Chinese koji. Yeah, I mean, it, it not not quite not quite as I guess it was a bit fusiony, but and what Brian's referring to is the uh, koji food truck out of L.A., which was the they kind of started the whole uh, Korean tacos thing. The, the, it got uh, K barbecue really on the map, and just in general. Continue. I interrupted you. Oh, okay. I thought you. I thought you had more to say. I thought you were going to talk about I your. I don't have a lot to say. In affinity general. for Roy Choi and his hats and everything. I don't have a Raiders hat. I wish. <laughs> um. So yeah, the the menu we we kept it relatively simple, mostly because I had absolutely no experience before, and I wanted to make service as simple as possible. Simple being the being the key word. Yeah, because I, I didn't want to have to fire things to order as much. I knew that was going to be a recipe for disaster. Even though the volume didn't end up, end up being that big, if I had to fire things to order, I I probably would have been a mess. But it would have been, I guess, funny if you had if you, if you had just put a camera in the kitchen with you during that process. It might have been something to see later on. Yeah, and I yeah. So I did make everything really easy on myself. I made a. Uh, corn salad, which was sort of a take on like an elote salad, which you know Joe Bean had done before, but I made my own made my own vegan aioli with a fair amount of miso in it. So I mean that was my Asian twist on it. This one was, you know, it was a corn salad with with onion and uh, some pepper, some green pepper, some jalapenos, um, some rice vinegar, and some lime. I'm sure it was delicious given it is we are well into corn season right now. Yeah, the corn was fantastic. We did get um we did get a fair amount of nice ingredients from our friends over at Headwater Food Hub and got some got some fantastic tomatoes uh, for for other dishes. We got tomatoes and corn and just some some really a uh, bunch of nice oyster mushrooms as well, which we'll talk about in a minute, but um, you know, Headwater Food Hub, uh, one of my partners that we've been working with with my startup, frankly. So that's that's been great. Um, and it was nice to get some of their fantastic, you know, 
produce from their farmers in for this meal as well. So other than the salad, yeah. So the salad, what, what came next? So the salad that just let's talk about the prep for a second. Okay, <laughs> the mise en place that no one ever talks about. Yeah. So this was for me. This was the daunting part of it because everything I did, um, the corn salad. You know what? You're, you're right. We should finish the menu first. Yeah, and then we can get into the nitty gritty. The, then we'll the, talk the about details. the details. So the difference between cooking for ten plus people and. <clears throat> Two. Yeah, it's a slight difference. Um, so I was going to do two kinds of tacos, one with a, a pork base, one with a mushroom base, but the topping's all the same on the rest of it. So the pork base was going to be cooked um, carnita style, but with Asian ingredients, soy, ginger, garlic, lime, onion, um, and, you know, roasted, or I was planning on sous vide them, but we'll talk about that in a minute. And the mushrooms were simply going to be roasted with um, soy and other flavors. Ended up being onion in this case, mostly. <laughs> then we did three different salsas. The plan was to do two. I ended up doing three. Um, oh, with the uh, did you find extra produce? Yeah, we had some extra tomatoes, so I made a roasted tomatoes and tomatillo salsa with stuff from the walk-in. Um, did a pico de gallo with heirloom tomato, daikon radish, onion, and lime and rice vinegar. The last one was a chili oil with Mexican chilies. You so, sound like you covered the entire spectrum of sauces and accoutrements. So each taco got all three of those sauces, regardless if it was a you know pork taco or a mushroom taco. You get all of them. <laughs> you get everything. And then you get a little bit of cilantro sprinkle as well. Sounds good, man. I wish I had tried some of that. Yeah, so that 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 was the menu. Um you know, you the each order would have, you know, two tacos and then you you could get a side of the corn if you wanted. I kept we kept it really simple. And I also did end up making a horchata as well. So that was dessert? Uh it was it was just a drink and it was uh, there was bef- before we even talk about it. That was my least successful thing I made. Pretty well, easily. You have so much experience. Yeah, that, making the, horchata. The first time I made it was that time. <laughs> Solid. I really wanted to make it ahead of time, but I didn't end up doing that. <laughs> hey, time gets to what's called. But things, things we are short on always. Yes. Time. Oh, a brief interlude. What are we drinking today during the podcast, Brian? I am drinking my hibiki. Ah, a Japanese mild whiskey. Always a fine choice, and um, I am. Uh, I just cracked into a new bottle of Buffalo Trace. What happened to the old one? Oh, that it one died. A, that one died a long time ago. Oh, okay. um, and it's the apparently the allocation's been really low on Buffalo Trace. So even though it's not expensive, you can't just go into the store and buy it anymore. It really? just it doesn't sit on the shelves. Yeah, it goes the the allocation's lower and lower, so you can't just like go and buy it. It actually goes, and then it's gone. Huh. I did not know that. Even just looking at some of the local liquor stores when I was shopping around for some barbecue ingredients, Mm -hmm. there was plenty of whiskey there. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yes. So that, I'll, talk and, about, I'll talk about my, my uh, concoction after you talk after we talk about some some mise en place. Okay. So struggles. Yeah the first the first night 
so I was I was planning on serving Thursday and Friday night, uh, four hours each night, six to ten. So I started my prep Wednesday night after work. I got in around got in around six, and knew it was going to be a fairly long night because everything I decided to make did have a fair amount of chopping to it. Pico de Gallo has a lot of chopping. Um, so many onions, so many onions, a lot of onions, a lot of tomatoes. Uh, I did, you know, a couple pounds of daikon radish. Um, I mean, all, all these things, actually I did the daikon radish on Thursday, but you know, do the Pico, do all that stuff the night before. It, it does take a lot of time. There's a lot of onions, um, you know, getting everything ready to go. So, and also the pork, I mean, cutting up all the pork, I did a second salsa. You had to roast all that stuff. Thankfully, I did have somebody, um, like the guy I mentioned before, Jeffrey McQueen, uh, Chefrey from New York Kitchen, came by and helped me chop for about an hour and a half on Wednesday night. So, so, ha- so, doing this all in a commercial kitchen. Yes. What were some of the benefits of actually having a space to use instead of just a normal your, your home kitchen. So one, the I mean, every there's a lot of everything. So you know, a lot of big sheet pans. So when we sounds when we, like heaven. It was great when we ended up roasting things. They had a um, they have a combi uh, convection oven that gets up to temperature really fast, and you end up cooking things complete in ten minutes. I'm salivating right now. You can get char. I got char on tomatillos in ten minutes in an oven. That's it, foreign. It was it was fantastic. So you throw stuff in there, and you know it's it's significantly faster than a regular oven. So when I did corn on Thursday, you know I husked all the corn, put it in, and you know ten twelve minutes later, I had color on the corn and was ready to um, cut it all off and put it into the salad. So of course I, I didn't I didn't take many easy ways out other than the actual layout of the menu, but I did everything otherwise completely cut. So I, you know, went from whole ears of corn that I roasted and I stripped them all with a knife. I did four dozen ears. So once once I you, expect nothing less. Yeah, I mean because I would do the I mean, same thing. You can so. buy pre-chucked corn. And I could have just roasted that, and it would have been pretty close to the same thing. But with corn being in season, I, I, I just had to. I had I had to roast it. I had to do it the proper way, as far as I was concerned. I have no complaints here. I can yeah. I can probably taste it now. But it was continue. I mean, before, yeah. I'm glad I ate dinner already. So, so <laughs> you can continue without me, you know, drooling over my microphone or anything right. like that. The uh, the roasted corn turned out really well with the salad. Um, you know, the, the onion and the peppers, after, they were even better the second day after I after it, uh, sat overnight in the the miso vegan mayonnaise I made. Oh, nice. Um, this is the uh, chickpea method. So it's using the chickpea liquid out of cans, adding a few chickpeas in, and then otherwise basic flavors, you know, adding a little mustard. Um, we had a lot of garlic around, so some garlic, some lime juice. Uh, I think I did some rice vinegar in there as well. And then just putting in oil until you get to a mayonnaise consistency. It's so a question. Thin... Yeah, go ahead. When, did you, I know, 
I'm a fan of garlic, and when most recipes call for two or three cloves, I usually triple it. How how is your handedness on garlic and all the things that we since you and I both like strong flavors? Yeah, how, I think. How, how did you manage to make it palatable for everyone? So I I did people? I did keep the raw garlic down a bit. <laughs> um, in blending it with, so I did it all in a blender. Uh, I brought my Vitamix in to do that mayonnaise. So blending it in with the citrus actually tames some of the uh, tames some of the garlic, the harsh garlic flavors. And then you start adding your oil in, and it turned it turned out really well. I mean, I put a fair amount of miso in there where it was noticeable, but it wasn't like extra pungent miso or anything like that. It's nice that you went uh, more, I guess, tra- the tamer blends of uh, Mexican flavors, Chinese flavors, instead of, say, blending Oaxacan with Sichuan. <laughs> I mean, one, I would absolutely have loved that. But I kept with, I'd say, more general flavors, more than specific. More agreeable to everybody? Yeah, I think so. The, I did make I did make one thing that was more Sichuan which was I did make chili oil, which I was, that was my most, I think the most successful thing I made. I think the chili oil turned out really well. I mean, I put chili oil on just just about anything. It still tastes good. Absolutely. Um, And I made it with all Mexican chilies. Um, We got a bunch of uh, guajillos from, um, what was it, Abrotes Mexico Lindo out towards uh, Ontario, past Ontario, Almost to Sotus on 104. It's a Mexican that, grocery that, store. That small place we went to that one time? I think we might have gone there once. Yeah, it's a little Mexican grocery store yeah, half an you hour would, away from here. Something that you would not even notice driving on the road? Yeah, unless you're really looking for it. And okay. In fact, I was looking for it. <laughs> so I got some uh, guajillos. I had a few uh, mulatos, some pollos, and... I think I had a couple other ones I put in there too. I don't remember what they were offhand. Um, those were all, you know, I pureed those in a food processor, um, added in some cumin, uh, Szechuan peppercorns that got pureed as well. And then I put sesame seeds in there, toasted garlic in the oil. Heated up to whatever the temperature was I was supposed to get to. It was like 370 degrees. And, and then poured it in in phases over the chilies and watched it go. It was really cool. The uh, the thing we saw on YouTube, the three phases of Volcano. Yep. I did the three phases, let it cool, then added it again, trying to get the you know different toasted flavors, different colors. I got to say the color turned out really good. It's It's relatively, it's like ruby red almost. Did you save any? That's the big question. I, I've got a liter of it in the fridge. A liter. Well, I made. I ended up making like two <laughs> liters of it. It was a lot. So <laughs> you, you made know, a the, liter of it. Yeah, like oh the kitchen God. containers, the the tall cylinder kitchen containers. Yeah. I basically made two of those worth of it. <laughs> um, I don't see. Do you? Is that ever going to be done? Used up? I, I hope so. I mean, it, it's really flavorful. When? It's got a ton of uses. <laughs> It's relatively mild, but a lot of toasted flavor, and it was really, really nice on the tacos. So when are you actually going to use all that up? I don't ever? know. I mean, when when you show up, I think we'll be able to drown things in it. It's like, it's like you can just um, take some of this back with you, because I'm not <laughs> half, half a liter is a lot. 
<laughs> yeah, it's 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 a it's a lot of chili oil in my fridge. Although a fair amount of it is the uh, debris in the bottom, but I mean it's there to be crunched. It's already toasted. It's ready to eat. So you just crunch through it. it sounds it's great. fine to me. So that was your mise en place. Yeah. So Wednesday night I did from six till eleven thirty. Um, and my buddy was there from. Uh, Jeff Jeffrey was there from 6.30 till 8. He helped me for an hour and a half. And then I did three and a half hours by myself. Um, ended up making the roasted tomatillo and tomato salsa, which, you know, pretty easy to do. That was just, you know, roasting a bunch of stuff, pureeing it, seasoned. Pretty straightforward. We had extra ingredients, so why not make an extra one? Turned out to be actually pretty necessary. Really helped balance out all the f- strong flavors I had in the in the pork and mushrooms. Um, that's the other thing we did with that at, during that evening, we had, we had cut up the pork. We ended up doing, uh, some were, some were the hams actually, and some were pork shoulder. Huh. Nice, different, nice, uh, texture difference. And I don't know, all pork shoulder can get a little bit heavy, I guess. Yeah. I I think what ended up happening though was. So, yeah. So everything else you're talking about so far turned out, Better than average. It turned out, it turned were, out the way so I what expected. What were some of the things that didn't quite go towards the vision? Yeah, so the, everything <laughs> we talked about so far really ended up being exactly what I expected. Like the, the corn salad, the elote salad, turned out the way I expected. Uh, the pico de gallo with the daikon radish, heirloom tomato, that all worked. And I think the crunch and everything really worked well. Um, you know, the roasted salsa was a nice addition. The chili oil turned out well. The pork, although the flavors turned out well, I didn't have enough time to sit there and watch it to make sure the texture turned out perfectly. So, so I, what happened to the pork? So what I did was I ended up putting it in the oven overnight. So my original plan was to do sous vide inside of, inside of bags, and we just didn't have the containers where I could do 20 pounds of pork. <laughs> Uh, if I had an army of sous vides or much bigger buckets, I would have done sous vide on the whole thing, and it would have been it would have been perfect. But what I had was a large aluminum, a large aluminum pot, and standard in most commercial kitchens. Yeah, it's this is a one that was maybe what, eight eight inches deep or so, and I filled that thing with pork. Um, then with all the other, we had uh, done some marinade, put all the rest in there um, with the soy, ginger, garlic, lime, onion, all in there. And the flavor, like I said, turned out great. But because I think the oven was just a little too hot, everything really cooked down. A lot of liquid went out of it. It and the texture like you almost the, wanted to do a, or one thing that might have been better to do was just to confit it if you had put more oil in it or just filled it with oil and then drained it out later on. You know what? It, I thought there was enough oil in there, but because the liquid cooked out, it just, it got it, it more, turned got into ex- a braise. Yeah, it turned into a braise and it got really dense in flavor. So it was dark and rich, but. The pork itself was a little dry to my taste. The turkey's a little dry. No, it wasn't quite that bad. <laughs> um, it turned out it 
you know, it turned out really well in the end, but it wasn't like if I can picture my perfect carnitas, it certainly wasn't that. It didn't have that tender inside and crispy and outside. Outside. It was more just dark and cooked down. Well, it all worked good you out. Had all those well. salsas. Yeah, it all worked out well in the end, but it wasn't. I don't think anybody else cared but me, but I cared. <laughs> why? Well, if you didn't care, why would you do this in the first place? Yeah, exactly. Um, so that was. I mean, the pork turned out good. It tasted good in the end. It carried through all those flavors. You know, the ginger and garlic and lime all came through in the final braise. Really dark, but came through. Um, mushrooms probably ended up a little too salty. But again, we compensated that with the salsas. So everything in concert worked well. But again, I, I would have wanted to do it slightly differently. It just ended up being too salty. Um, salty. This is you saying it's too salty. Yeah, and it, it again it balanced when when I added all the toppings on because you use a little less mushroom because mushrooms our estimate of cooking down fifty percent is not right. It's it's like a third. <laughs> Wait, it's, it's you only get a third yield. I think so. It might be even less than that. Super mushroom might be a quarter yield. It's you, mushrooms cooked down a lot. Hey, now we know. Don't use mushrooms. <laughs> Just stick with pork. I mean, that was, <laughs> we ended up having a lot of, you know, most people bought pork, and we That's had a lot be. of pork extra at the end. So so how many people did you have to prepare, or were you anticipating preparing this all for? So the original original estimate was, we were thinking like 100 tacos a night, and we probably ended up doing more like 40 tacos a night. So we we had a bit extra at the end. Just a bit? It, well, you know what? It's it's a lot better to have extra than it is not to have enough food for people. Oh, yeah. Of and course, I mean, if you ran out of food, if, can you imagine if you ran out of food during dinner time? Yeah, and it's you don't want to do that. We Also, what we ended up doing was um, originally McCann's was going to cook uh, Saturday night. For what happened the, to them? Did they end up coming? Uh, no, they, they ended up having to cancel... Um, apparently things were a bit crazy over at the shop or something else. I just saw uh, Kev McCann uh, a couple days ago, and yeah, he, he couldn't end up doing it. So I ended up doing three nights instead of two. So because we had the extra food, we were able to uh, able to roll it back again for the last night on Saturday and make sure people could eat uh, amongst all the other uh, music and all the other fun activities over at the last few nights at Joe Bean. So 40 people a night, not bad. Much yeah. how, how much different is it? Oh, it was like 40 <laughs> tacos a night is what it oh, was. 40 tacos a night, so... Maybe a little bit more than that, but that, that was about it. So how much t- overall, how much more, how much different is it than cooking for, you know, three people, two people? You know what? I think it was, it was just the time. I ended up having... So the five hours of prep Wednesday night and... <laughs> four and a half hours prep Thursday before service. I finished prep at 5.55 and we opened selling at 6. Did you have a nice bandana and flop going on there? I was a bit I was a bit panicked. Uh, I forget who showed up. I think it was uh, my uh, Chris Clemens from Exploring Upstate and Carrie were there a little before. 
and Chris walks in. I'm like, you, you got to go. You got to get back out there. I will come out and I'll be okay. But you, you can't be in here right now. <laughs> I was, aka, I, get out. I was, I was head down and getting. I was rushing and moving through everything. <laughs> I, what I was trying to do, I was trying to get the horchata right, which it never ended up being what I wanted it to be. I've had horchata maybe twice in my life. Yeah. And have never, it's never crossed my mind. You know what? I need me some horchata. You know what? Never. It was, it was a good idea. And we found a, you and I found a recipe. Which was garbage, by the way. It really didn't work. I, I, I did the recipe and it just didn't work. I ended up trying to, you know, continue to loosen it up and loosen it up and loosen it up and cook it more to get the texture right. I eventually got it where, you know, it was, it was palatable. Thi- uh, yeah, the thickness was right. It still had some graininess to it. You should just you probably had to just um, put it through a sieve or something. I probably would need a cheesecloth at that point. Next thing we next so next time if there's a next time for any recipes that are te- that tend to be regional, we'll just find a co- find a chef, find a cook that that knows of it. It'd probably be a lot easier. And, yeah, if I would have asked, like, you know, my buddy Jose from Itacate, he probably would have been able to tell me really quick, you know, hey, <laughs> or just next don't time, do just this. do agua fresca with watermelon. That's a lot easier. Just put it in a blender. Put it in a blender. That's Done. it. <laughs> just put it in a blender. Speaking Done. of which, I, I got a really nice watermelon from uh, Fisher Hill Farm See? yesterday, and it is really good. Tacos. Agua fresca, especially that during that week, which was really hot. The watermelon would have been much better than the grainy. I mean, the flavor turned out okay with the with the almond and rice and cinnamon and nutmeg and some honey. The flavor turned out okay, but eh, the texture just it didn't get to where I wanted to get to. So agua fresca next time. Agua fresca next time. Yes. It just sounds so good right now. I wish I had a watermelon to do that. Yeah. So to back to your question about cooking in a commercial kitchen, if yeah. I needed to heat something up, I had the big burners. You know, the oven has a lot of space where I put that whole I put that whole pan in the oven for cooking. Um, you know, the fridge space. You know, if you would need to cool stuff down, you have the big walk-in cooler, so you can just you know drop containers in there. Um, if if I had a commercial burner, you know, with those fifty thousand BTU burners. I don't know what I'd do. I'd just probably have a coronary or probably a coronary or need my heart pumped or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think part of what I realized was, you know, a lot of the sears that you get in commercial kitchens is because they can go so much hotter. Um, you know, the set, like scallops they do in kitchens. It's because they're, they're rolling those pans. It's yeah, not, but, it's not a home pan. Walks. Yeah. It's, it's walks and it's all these things. And, you know, the, you know, like I had a griddle, so I had, I had a flat top for the tortillas. I just used the griddle for tortillas. Right, a real flat top, not a non-electric flat top. A real no, one. A gas underneath burner flat top, I just used for tortillas. It took me a little while to figure that out, too, how to do that well. But that just, but see, just thinking about this, just going from a home kitchen, even, you know, the ones that have Viking burners or anything like that, it's still not even close, unless it actually is a commercial commercial uh, stove no it's it's a completely different animal and like it took me a while how to figure out how to dial in the flat top for where it wasn't too hot 
Because uh, even at some of the lowest settings, it was like too hot for most of, for the stuff I was trying to do. They're like, yeah, set it on low. But won't that do anything? Don't worry, you'll be fine. Yeah, I, I figured it out like the last day. I figured out how to do it better. I was using oil before, and you know it wasn't bad, but. It turns out using it dry just right on the flat top was the easiest way of reheating the tortillas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so with this experience under your belt and Joe Bean changing their focus. Yes. What's next? Do you, uh, would you like to do this again? Something like this again? You know, I, I think I would I wouldn't mind doing my own thing in a pop up again. I wouldn't mind going to help out. Um Again, my the the guy that came out and helped me, um, Jeffrey uh, Jeffrey McQueen from uh, FLX Foodies, I think soon to be Twin Flames. His uh, culinary concierge service. He does. He's doing pop ups and stuff too. And you know what? If if he ever needs an extra hand, I wouldn't mind going out and just just being an extra hand. It, it was it was fun to come up with all the menus and learn how to portion things learn how to you know do the ordering stuff like that you know we come up with these 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 menus and having to see what goes into it makes you definitely reconsider or readjust how what you want to put into it yeah i i i would you know of course you have these dreams of doing your own thing at some point whether it be you know doing pop-ups doing restaurants doing whatever it's a lot and I knew it was a lot, and I, I was—I didn't fool myself. I tried to give myself as much time as possible. I knew it was going to be a lot of effort, but it still was a lot. I did. It's going to be easy. Jeez, I did almost ten hours of prep, and that was for three dishes, and really yeah. two dishes. Two dishes that didn't—that at least on the spectrum, things didn't require a lot of us. Uh, cooking on the spot no none of it required cooking on the spot except for warming up tortillas and then topping and adding meat i basically made myself two pans at a warm station you know i had the mushrooms in one pan pork in the other kept you know the rest of it chilled and then kept it hot on the stove ready to dish out so i i had basically a assembly line just heat up tortillas and then slap 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 and go and that was still, and it was still. That took me ten hours of prep. All that, all that prep was just. Oh man, I you probably been sweating balls out there or in the kitchen. You know what? The prep was like Wednesday night was fine. Thursday, I was, I was a bit of a mess. <laughs> um, until service started, and then I was fine because I had everything was ready. And at that point, it was really just assembly line. And it wasn't it wasn't a big deal, so you know you had a little bit of help from from one of the owners, Ben Turgiano, for a little bit on Thursday, you know maybe an hour before we started service, and he hung out for most of the night, which was nice. You know, it was first and foremost, it was really nice to be an active part of the last three days of Joe Bean as it was, especially given that you, I mean, every time I've gone to Rochester, Joe Bean is. We just usually stop there without even thinking, just to grab a beer, or grab whatever. Yeah, absolutely. I don't usually eat there, but yeah, I I had food there a number of times, but it was, you know, to be a part of the last few days for the way it was was for me really it was very satisfying. 
where I wasn't just sitting at the sitting at the bar and enjoying myself. Well, they're usually the ones serving you, and now you get to help them out. Yeah, it was it was nice to help out and a really good experience to get a little bit of that under my belt. And now, you know, if something else pops up, I'll yeah, I'll jump in. You know, maybe a little bit more cautious and a little bit knowing how much goes into everything. And again, I, I kind of knew, but it's like, so you, you want to make seven kinds of tacos? Yeah. Ooh, two sounds good. Yeah, exactly. How many people are you trying to serve? <laughs> so it was again, it was good. I, I really enjoyed the experience and you know, I, I enjoyed all three nights a bit, all four nights a bit more than I probably should have. Um, Meaning what? The drinks were flowing liberally, of course. You got to really be a chef. I'm just kidding. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and you know, it was you know the last night, Saturday night. We didn't, you know, we didn't end up leaving till geez, three o'clock in the morning. Three, 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 three thirty in the morning, and it was, it was exactly the way I hoped it would be. Those last, you know, walking out, turning the lights out, and you know, moving on to the next thing, which is all we can ever hope to do. So what are they actually going to, so what are they actually doing now? What is Joe Bean going to be doing? So for at least for the next month, they're doing limited hours at the, at that shop still. So it's like, you know, nine to three Thursday to Sunday, something like that, where the espresso parts open and they're selling bags and uh, coffee cans and stuff like that. And then I, I don't know exactly when and where, but uh, I think they're moving. They're moving to another location, doing sort of that espresso bar and um, roasting and coffee cans again. Just on a, just on a larger scale, or uh, I don't know. You know, I, I they're they're definitely bulking up the wholesale side of things. Okay, that's so. Then at least they're just leaving the neighborhood. They're not leaving the city. Yeah, that, that's my understanding. I, I don't have any other details at this point on where they're going, but you know, I'm. I'm very hopeful. I it's it's I've had a lot of great times at Joe Bean and I will continue to have great times there and enjoy their coffee because that's it's still my go to, even yeah. though I we buy a lot of coffee from other places around town, but that's still our go to at home as well. So given that so that used to be your that, that used to be the the normal hangout spot. Of, yeah. I'm gonna sit here and it's cool because I know it's, it's, it was almost like your local bar almost pretty much. <laughs> it definitely was. So you have to find a new one now. Yeah, and it's, you know what, it's it's just a different time than when I spent most of my time there. Uh, I was doing more writing at the time, and I was hanging out on weekdays and, you know, all all over the place. And now there's just more going on. But you still have to find a local bar again. It's not like I don't have places I can go hang out. It's uh, just It's just different. Like, I can go to, I can go to Fifth Frame, I can go to... You know, different restaurants, of course, you know, like go to Cure or go to those places. But I always loved having the option of coffee late at night, too, if I didn't want to have any alcohol. This sounds like it just sounds foreign to me because, you know, I drink zero coffee. You know, what? It, it was never a good idea to drink coffee late. But when I was writing and sitting at the bar, you know, drinking, drinking a pour over espresso at 930 on a weekday, just seemed like a perfect idea until it was a terrible idea when I couldn't sleep. So remember what happens to me if I don't have, if I have coffee, my hands start, I say I have a natural tremor. And when, when I have 
coffee or anything. Of course, I usually get the iced coffee because that's you know that's a brilliant idea. Yeah, more concentrated caffeine. My hand just starts going crazy. It, you know, I have the hands of a surgeon right now. Well, I've I've had I've had my moments with coffee, and you've been there for enough of them, where I'll just have too much and I'll just feel awful for half a day. Yeah, so you just you know you, this might be one of your decisions of maybe I'll try a pour over and two espressos and have no water in between and no food, by the way. Well, obviously. And then what What was it? No, that, that happened here. That happened when you came here. That was there. I think we talked about it on one of the other episodes, but mm-hmm. yeah, it was, we went to a couple different places around where you are and I was a mess. This isn't the first time I've done this. Of course I've, I did it in Pittsburgh when I think we had five, I had five espressos before lunch um, at different shops. It just sounds like a learning experience. You know, learning is a strong word for it. I'm not sure I've learned my lesson. I know it's going to suck, and I don't know why I do it anymore, but I still do. Terrible. (laughs) Um, Terrible, but I'll have another one. Yeah. So, yeah, that was my my cooking experience. It was was good. It was good. I think what might be, I mean, probably more... Of in the future is having doing like a, a real a real cookout type of thing. Yeah, I mean it, it's doing doing stuff at home is a different story versus even if you're doing it for guests, you know the prep level is much lower. Well, depends. Depends on how much you're doing, I guess. Well, so my only experience with large volume is cooking all the sides for fifteen to sixteen people. For a for Thanksgiving and Christmas, well, that's and t- that's not that that's- bad. I imagine, like, if if we had to cook for, like, that volleyball picnic I went to with you, oh, the one that had a hundred people. Yeah, I imagine <laughs> trying to cook for that. I so the last so that that I actually had to do that didn't cook, cook everything, but just cooking hamburgers and hot dogs for everyone, it's exhausting. Yeah, I don't I don't mind doing that actually. I've done that at family reunions before. Where if I don't want to, family reunions and other situations, I will take over the grill situation. Yeah, that's what I ended up doing. I, we just, I had two grills going at the same time. I didn't want to talk to anyone at the moment, so I just sat, sat on the grill for half an hour and just kept churning. Yeah, I don't, I've done that a number of times. It's, it's a comfortable place to be, is at the grill. At the grill... At the at anything that requires prep, yeah, I'm I'm happy. You know, I'll show up anywhere, and I'm happy to chop. I'm happy to do whatever. It just makes it you feel useful, and there's always something to talk about because there's there's food being made. So while you were doing the your your pop up, I guess I was I was actually I had to go. To, I was at a barbecue, and we were cooking. So cooking for maybe twelve people. Twelve's not twelve's a decent amount, but it's not crazy. No, it sounds it was normal, I guess. But my friend and I, well, we just decided to keep cooking. So he did a brisket, like a thirteen-hour brisket, and I did the smoked burger. or roasted. Hmm? Smoked or roasted? Smoked. Nice. It was delicious. It went a little. His is his. I think it was second time doing it, so the fatty part was delicious, but the less fatty part was a little bit flossy yeah it's i mean brisket's tough you really temperature control is something unless you have real 
polished rig, it's hard to keep it consistent temperature wise. I have a big I have a big green egg, the medium size one. He has the large one. Oh, nice. And he had a triple I think he had triple racks with ribs over it. Mm. And it so he's he he's he dove head first into the deep end of barbecue. And it was delicious, but I think he over he was overzealous in how much food he needed to prepare. Because for twelve people, that, yeah, three racks of ribs and a whole brisket. It was a whole brisket, four racks of ribs, and sixteen hamburgers. Uh, chicken thighs. And, and I, chicken thighs, yeah, that's way too much. Well, I know, but you don't want to run out of food, right? No, I mean you definitely don't want to run out of food, but even for even for the for big meat eaters. I mean, you you had way too much. Oh, of course. Well, that's why that's that's why he that's why he decides that's why he has the the, the large big green egg because you know why, why wouldn't you have that? Yeah, why, why wouldn't you do you know all those pounds of food? So I think he ended up having. I mean, my buddy and I tried to help him put dents in it by eating in two rounds of brisket. Yeah. So I mean, it's it sounds like it was way too much food, but. Like you said, for for a barbecue, that's never really a bad thing. We, we hadn't. We, we usually have one barbecue, at least yearly. But he, since he had just since he's been a little busy with his new with his, I think she's like one and a half years old now. So he and his wife have been a little bit preoccupied. Let's just say. Yeah, I mean, I think reasonably so. But you know, it was nice to have just before everyone started to go back to school, or because his wife's a teacher. And before time started to fill up again, it would be nice. It was nice to have everyone together, at least the people I knew. I only knew like three or four people, so that's why I stayed near the kitchen and started doing all the cooking. Yeah, what did you end up doing for sides? Standards oh, or? Well, there were no, I'm not sure. I didn't make any sides. Okay. It was, more of a pot, it was more of a potluck for sides. Oh, okay. I don't remember what the sides were because I just tended to have the meat. I was trying to help him take out some of that meat. Mm-hmm. Well, I think. I think the other thing, um, you have any other? I've got I've got one more home cooking thing that I did recently that we can talk about. I was just gonna go with my, so I I was debating on what kind of cocktail to make for them. Okay. So I could have either gone for one that might put people on their asses, mm-hmm. but I decided to do something that was, uh, what was it? The when I want to go with the crowd pleaser. Yeah, well, you're basically you're going to say something a little lighter, a little more summery, perhaps. I thought you were talking about John Wick two or something like that. Yeah, crisp. That sounds really nice. Yeah. Yeah, but I ended up doing the nice cold crisp thing for people. Which I mean, for for a summery barbecue, it is the right move. You don't want something that's crazy intense. I mean, not you, because I know you do. I do. And you know I do, but you know sometimes nice, light, bright, and summery is the right choice. And it was it was the, for some reason that weekend turned out to be absolutely beautiful. A break from this jungle we have here mm-hmm. was actually okay to sit outside and not break into a random sweat while sitting still. What'd you so, end up making? So I did a actually did two things. I did the standard Aperol spritzes. Which everybody's a fan of. Uh, blood orange instead of normal oranges. Nice. And then I did some 
something with rosé. I don't know. I've never done this before, but it was pretty good. It was a rosé base with passion fruit juice, mm-hmm. lime juice, and a little bit of simple syrup put together. I think it was three one one, topped with some fresh squeezed grapefruit juice. That sounds it sounds like too much, but I'm sure it was delicious. With the with the rosé, it helped a lot because it cut through all. So the base of it, the passion fruit base is really tart. Yeah. Really strong. But once you cut it with the rosé, especially with the the sparkling rosé, it turned into a really, really nice drink. Yeah, it sounds like those are great choices for the summer. I could tell it was was a nice drink because my friend's wife, Leslie, she doesn't drink a lot at all. She just can't handle it, which is God bless her for that. But she and her sister kept coming back. But I went, okay, I think I've got a hit here because yeah. I mean, I I love, I really enjoy rosé, especially you know. There's so many great versions of it now that are really complicated. You know, different grapes. You know, different red grapes go into the rosés, and trying them all is really interesting. There's a wide variety, so I actually really like rosé, and I think it works really well in drinks, uh, in cocktails too. I thought I tried a little bit of it, given I was just so my buddy and I were just having Aperol spritzes and somehow turning those into almost Negroni type things. Just Negroni they, spritzes, <laughs> almost when the when the prosecco was a little bit too light. Mm-hmm. But the the passion fruit drink rosé base was really good. Mm. I mean, see why they kept they finished it all. That sounds delightful, especially with the bubbles in it. Mm-hmm. It was a very, very nice summer drink, especially with the the barbecue with it. I, I, I was I was satisfied that no, it, it didn't it didn't kill anybody. No, that's a good start, right? Especially the, the so the the last drink I made for them was a white sangria that whose base was like three cups of gin. Oh, oh boy! But it didn't taste like that. Was the problem? That sounds like a bad college drink at that point. It was delicious. It had well, yeah. That's that's. It's like those bad college drinks that I never were around. You know, like the jungle juices and things like that. Didn't make it out of a trash can. That's the thing. <laughs> so, so you know, on a tangent, this was, um, strawberries, macerated strawberries, basil, peach liqueur, uh, applejack, gin, and dry white wine. It sounds nice. But when I say gin, it was a lot of gin. I mean, if you're going to use gin, the right amount is a lot. Well, it's the problem of it was is that it was a, it was originally a sangria slash cocktail from a bar, so they they just gave it to me full the, the full strength version instead of having to scale back. And guess what? I didn't scale back. No, shockingly enough, it was delicious. And the, the cool thing was that after a while, the drink started to bleach out some of the strawberry color so it started a nice you know pale straw and then it turned into a nice pinkish hue later on in the night so it was your second rosé drink basically uh yeah yeah so except it 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 floored people yeah there's there's a lot of booze in that one <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that's why I didn't do it. that's why I was cognizant and I was just gentle and caring with this one. (laughs) 
I think the I think the only other cooking thing. I don't. Did we talk about the grilled pizza thing yet? Uh, no, you didn't. That was was almost that before you did the uh, the pop up. Yeah, it was before that. I had the we had our working weekend with our Frankly team, and everybody came over to my place after, and we did grilled pizza on the Weber kettle grill. Which turned out turned out pretty well. We bought some bought some pizza dough from Flower City Bread. Um, Keith Myers, I mean his team over there, they made me ten doughs, uh, all raw, not pre shelled. So I wanted to grill it all myself. You didn't make it yourself. You didn't do it. You didn't do a two day proof. Uh, you know, I I did want to. I knew I wasn't going to have time to do it, so I went the easier route and. Uh, buy, buying him from Keith, I mean, his dough is delicious, very active. He said to put in the fridge right away. I walked around the market. By the okay. time I got to the car, one had already popped out of its container. That was, was a poor idea. It was that active. And then putting it back into the fridge, even after that, a few more exploded. So I had to you know, punch them all down. And well, The problem is he has a commercial refrigerator. Yeah, and I have to say the dough was really delicious and Sour- worked worked or, well on the grill. Was it sourdough based or? Yeah, he does almost everything sourdough based. So it had some really nice. He uses all you know good grains, you know local grains and everything. Flavor was great, and it, once it was up to room temperature, stretched out really well. When we were uh, doing all the setup outside. See, that's the one thing I wish, I, well, not one thing, many of the things that I wish I had out of a commercial kitchen, just, you know, the giant stand mixers, proper time to build up gluten. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the stretch on these was super easy when it was at room temperature. Um, I'm just shaking, so you, you can't see me right now, anyone, but I'm just shaking my head going, it's so much easier to have all that stuff. Oh, yeah. It's, you know, the... Gluten generation is always something I struggled with in my when I made my doughs. It, I, I never got to the level where I, I, will, I would get tears, so I never got it to the right thinness. Uh, thankfully, outside, when, we're, when you're doing the grilled pizza, you do want it at least somewhat thick because so you have to char into nothing. Yeah, and it, it's we were doing it over, you know, hardwood charcoal. Yeah. So it was, if you did it for more than like a minute per side, You'd get like really hard char on it, and you don't. And it's, I mean, I like, I know some people really like that cracker thin crust, but especially with that dough, you want some chew to it. No, and it was much better with with some chew. So the the method was, we ended up making you know all the toppings, uh, a bunch of vegetables. We had basil, we had um, we had thinly sliced squash, eggplant, some serrano chilies made a basil pesto that was basil and kale pesto that was our base for the uh for all the pizzas fresh mozz olive oil uh maldon salt of course to finish then we did some prosciutto ends and i think we had a couple other couple other ingredients on there as well but uh some hard cheese to sprinkle in so much he had you actually had a, a pizza bar yeah we had a whole pizza bar outside so I wasn't yeah. invited. No, of Thanks. course not. The uh the the method was we had I have a Weber gold kettle, so enough where you could do two a fire on one side and not on the other. 
So we had our hot zone, which was the sear one minute on each side, take it off the fire, top it, then put it on the non-fire side cover and turn it into an oven for, you know, four minutes. Ran it like 500 degrees or so just to cook all the toppings on top. And then if you want to, in, in between, you can do another dough while that one's sitting there and then prep that and sort of go in that cycle over and over again. So how many pizzas did you end up making? We made 10. That's a lot of pizza. Uh, it was a lot, especially considering we had five, six, six people. So you were saying that amount of meats was too much for 12 people. So we, we, yes, we made too many. Um, we ended up having two, there were two whole pizzas leftover, two and a half pizzas leftover, I think at the end. Well, someone got some nice leftovers. Yes, I did. I got some nice leftovers that reheated very well. Um, you know, it was one of those things now that I know how the technique works for doing grilled pizza, the kind of thing that if I if I wanted to, I would buy a dough and I could have from start to finish, probably about an hour, I could have, you know, from getting ingredients, you know, doing prep and getting the grill ready, probably from start to finish, maybe an hour, we could have a couple pizzas off. Got to get them all in now before, the you know, our, our two weeks of fall hits. Ooh, see, the fall, fall will be easy for it. That's when I want to turn on the grill, you know? Well, two you'll have two weeks of fall, and then you know what comes right after that. We're we're not going to talk about that yet. Although curling yeah. season is coming quickly, and feel bad right now. What's that? Although the cold wouldn't feel wouldn't feel that bad right now. No, and I I think you know at the winter part I don't love as much. I like curling, and it's just the the summer. I just I just can't. I just can't. I don't know. I just can't do it. Especially this this summer has been it's been what we what we call a little more uncomfortable than normal. Yeah, and I I think if I had more outside stuff I was doing, I'd probably be more okay. But it's just every time you go out, it's like it's oppressive, and you don't want to go anywhere or do anything. So it's like living in Florida in the summer. I'd have to imagine. I mean. I mean, I went down to Jacksonville a few weeks ago for a little business trip, and it was it was ridiculous. It was into the you know '90s every day, and it was it was crazy just going outside. It was not awesome. It was not cool. No, it was <laughs> not. Yeah, that was it was a few weeks ago. I got to go down down Jacksonville, check things out a little bit. Let's see, have I done any? cooking things recently other than the drinking stuff which is kind of normal yeah i don't know i've been kind of my food's been kind of boring recently i've been you know blts trying to take advantage of tomatoes before yeah, they... we we did that we did that this uh we did that yesterday actually grabbed some tomatoes kind of did the same thing you and i did last year we made a did you do the five minute bacon <laughs> uh we did it in the oven without the top on it um, did end up making the bacon mayonnaise and, um, yeah, I mean, it turned out, it turned out well. It's, it was a nice, nice little exercise to utilize bacon properly. 
and utilize tomatoes properly. Yeah, absolutely. It was it's nice. You know, this is the time of year you want to go to your markets and buy every piece of produce and fruit you can. We we bought tomatoes and nectarines. Just just eating all that stuff like the watermelon I was saying. It's 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 a great time to be eating local produce right now. Yeah, I'm just trying to think of anything that I've actually cooked in a while that's out of the ordinary or because most of the stuff I'm doing is simple bulk because I'm lazy. Yeah. <laughs> but I think I'm going to try to do some Japanese food this week. Any, because... Anything in mind? I think one of them is a ginger beef type. A ginger beef. I don't know what it's called, but okay. I'll check it up somewhere else. But it seemed right up my alley of, hey, I'm going to have some meat finally. So I might as well try something good. Yeah. Also, was I doing? Oh, I, I, you know, I kicked my tie, my normal tie habit, just because I'm. I was tired of having my stomach get destroyed by way, way too hot, too many hot peppers. Yeah, I think the only thing I'm going to mess around with this week, I think I'm going to make a multi-bean, uh, vegetarian or vegan chili. I've got a bunch of extra guajillos. So uh, crack open the uh, instant pot again. Yeah, I'm going to make a bunch of wahio puree, do, you know, maybe add some tomatillos in there, you know, a bunch of garlic, and do a, you know, do a, you maybe some greens too, do a uh, multi-bean chili kind of thing, a bunch of cumin. I think it should turn out pretty good, and I've got a whole bunch of dried beans in the cabinet, and also a 25-pound bag of dried beans from Joe Bean. <laughs> what, do you have a 25-pound bag of beans again they, they weren't going anywhere so i gave them a good home so it's 25 pounds of dry beans black beans yeah <laughs> I, I think what i'm gonna do is start cleaning out the rest of my beans i've got a bunch of you know chickpeas and navy beans and all that stuff so i'll probably do a whole whole pot of that and do a you know chipotle wahio puree kind of thing that's so much. It's going to be a lot of stuff. A lot of fiber. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of that for sure. For a while. Yeah, I, I mean, the food will be delicious. And, you know, I put a bunch of greens in there too. You know, it's good if you if you, you know, don't mind putting off, uh, you know, setting aside some of that 25 pounds for something. Doing like a, you know, bean tacos. Yeah, I think... Maybe we'll mess around with that next time you're up here. Oh, and that's what I made last week, just because I was bored. I'm going to have lots of them, so don't worry. We'll be able to make something. You're not rationing the beans, are you? No, I don't think so. All right. Well, I got to get out of here for tonight. This was Cooking Corner with Brian and Chris. Hey! (laughs) So, if you get to the end of this, thank you for listening, and... Please go and vote for Food About Town for Best Podcast in the City Newspaper's Best Of Poll for 2018. Mr. Chu, a pleasure as always. Even though I'm not from Rochester. I mean, you can still vote, yeah. I mean, you're an honorary Rochesterian with how much you talk about Rochester. Might as well. (laughs) And a good day to you, sir. Have a good night, buddy. See ya.